Yeah, you know, I would have to say, for me, I would make maybe a shmup themed on Metal Jesus Rocks where you use his hair as a weapon, sort of like a shmup themed version of Kabuki Quantum Fighter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so like windmill attacks? Yep, you know, he's he's going for those hidden gems. Forget coffee and... (laughs) <laughs> coffee and crystals you go for those hidden gems use your hair so do you have to use a specific hair attack in order to get the hidden gems from enemies yeah you know sort of it's that way it sounds like we're describing shanti doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay now someone needs to rom hack a shanti uh the shanti game the original shanti and and put mjr in there shoot the core cast Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is the family-friendly shmup-themed podcast where we wear our sunglasses at night so we can see the reflections in our eyes. Ow! (laughs) From RFGeneration.com, I am Metal Fro, also known as uh, the Game Boy Guru, and my co-pilot on this mission, as always, is... Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and as you've probably heard, we have a special guest star, the Wolf. No, we have a special guest star this episode. Uh, yeah, Ed Trombley here from Bullet Heaven. Welcome. Thank you for uh, joining us for this episode. Thank you for having me. Before we kick things off, just wanted to let you know that if you'd like to connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ShootCoreCast. You can also follow me directly at GameBoyGuru. Check out the Linktree page, uh, linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast, and that'll direct you to all of the feeds for the podcast, as well as our Redbubble page where you can go buy a shirt, and the RF Generation forum where you can sign up for a playthrough, and all of that is contained there. Uh, speaking of which, make sure you go join rfgeneration.com and uh, you know hit, hit up the community playthrough forum and, and come join us for a future playthrough. Uh, Also, if you would, please subscribe, like, rate, follow, review, whatever the case may be on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, You can check out the RF Generation Discord channel. That is linked right at the front page of RFGeneration.com. We do have our own dedicated uh, Shoot the Corecast topic there where we discuss the shmup of the month, podcast episodes, or shooters in general. And... uh, Follow me on Twitch to get notifications of new streams because I do stream the game of the month as frequently as I can during the course of each month. Uh, That is twitch.tv slash guru gameboy. Yeah, I always tune in for the parrot dogs. (laughs) I don't know how they perch on top of your shoulder just like that, but uh, one of these days we'll get you a pirate patch or something on there. There you go. They're like mountain goats. (laughs) Yeah, get get me a patch and a hat. And uh, <laughs> one of, yeah, Bluebell is the one that likes to perch on my shoulder. She's uh, 
She's crazy like that. So, uh, yeah, speaking of RF Generation, of course, that's that's where we host our episodes, and uh, it's a great place to be online. Um, of course, we have the community playthrough, my, our playthrough forum that I already mentioned, where you can come join a shmup playthrough or the regular community playthrough. Um, we also have additional podcasts that are associated with the site, such as the RF Generation Playcast and the Collector Cast, plus a huge database where you can catalog your library of games and keep track of what you have uh, so that uh, the next time you go to the game store or Goodwill or wherever it is, you're not going to be picking up that uh, 35th copy of Call of Duty 3. Yeah, I was thinking more like Deep Space Waifu. You know, you always see that at Goodwill, <laughs> and I always wonder, do I have this already? Hey, legitimately, I almost bought three copies of uh, Final Fantasy Four Warriors of Light. Wow. Well, there you go. So, if you if you catalog your stuff in the database, you won't have that problem. So anyway, check it out. So, uh, let's start off, as we usually do, with our question of the month. And I kind of themed this based on the fact that Airzonk is just a wacky game. Uh, and that's, of course, the game we're covering this episode. So... The question I threw out there is, what is the wackiest weapon or attack you can think of to include in a shooting game? And now, some people sort of took this and ran with it with original ideas. Other people just named off the shooter uh, that they thought had the wackiest uh, kind of attack. So, starting us off is a Pony Tatsujin, who says, Taking a page from my friend's idea of weird shmup ideas... Throwing pies at the enemy, or various food items. Could be anything. Cakes, burgers, pancakes, make the sidearms ketchup and mustard. And so, of course, at Need New Shorts, piped up quickly and, and said, In Harmful Park you can throw pies, I believe. Killer mechanic. That's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah our next comment comes to us from at Aldru... Uh, 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 yes, indeed. Our next comment comes to us from at Aldrinale. Uh, Whack-a-moles, uh, if Parodius doesn't have them already. Uh, I, I, Whack-a-moles. That would be interesting to do for some type of weird shmup-related thing. I wonder if you, you should, in order to fire, you have to hit it. You have to hit a certain mole. It would be some sort of weird, like, Ben Money knockoff controller. Hmm. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Cosmo Gang the video. There's these bonus stages where you have to knock back uh, advancing um, advancing aliens. Oh, yeah. That's true. Just a little, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines like actual physical controller where you have a hammer or a rubber mount and you got to hit the mole in order to fire. That would be interesting. That will, yeah, I mean, if we've gotten to the point where we've got a touch sensor bar for a shmup, why can't we have whack-a-mole? This is true. Well, at, head, at Headcase Game says playing a tiny violin and causing all the enemies to cry. <laughs> I like that one. That's pretty obtuse. I, I dig it. Uh, at Shockism says in Super Psy Penguin, you have a whale cannon, laser sharks, and bullet eating fish fried face with tears of joy rolling on the floor laughing. Hashtag Shmup Insanity. 
I can attest to this. Yeah, uh, we took a look at uh, Super Psy Penguin, I believe, in Series 12 of Bullet Heaven, and uh, the amount of <laughs> the amount of sea life that you can have on your side it borders on the uh, superfluous. <laughs> the the amount of abuse that you can spam out is just insane. Yeah, well, and of course, the idea of laser sharks is too good to pass up because oh, yeah. uh, you know, in true Austin Powers. Uh, fashion sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their foreheads. So, yeah. Our next comment comes to us from at King Cannibal. In Star Parodier, you can play as a PC engine and shoot stuff like CDs or Hue cards. My favorite is the swinging controllers that act as shields. Oh, I definitely like Star Parodier. We need to throw that on the schedule. Yeah, we do. It's a great game. It is. It um, is. Uh, Rudin Sprite says cow launcher, South Park style. <laughs> I could get behind a cow launcher in a Parodius type game. Yeah. It'd have to be a Capcom game of some kind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, because of the cow uh, score item tie-in, yes. There's, there's, there's always a cow somewhere in a, in a Capcom shooter, right? Yeah, so. I like that idea. Yeah. Either that or it's a new weapon for a Raiden. Maybe, uh, maybe Capcom mm. should uh, develop a a nineteen uh, XX series um, parody and call it, uh, you know, fourteen ninety three or something, and and <laughs> have it uh, uh, have it all be just wacky and backwards and everything, and you know, have a cow launcher. Uh, at Danmakuman G says, most of the crazy ideas were already implemented in Airzonk, specifically the Japanese version with those boob milk missiles or an actual pile of poop, I'll say, as a bomb. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. There, There is more scat ahead, folks. Indeed. Our next comment comes to us from at Quake Duke, sorry, at Quake Doom Nukem. I'd say the food-related stuff in Tyrion, just flying a carrot ship while firing bananas everywhere feels so strange, and I don't even know that was the main plot of the fifth episode since Tyr open Tyrion only goes up to the fourth. Yeah, Tyrion is another one that we need to cover. Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. I love that game. Uh, Rybones. At Rybones says, Seeds and Galax uh, Galaxied is a little different. Uh, Hugh Cards and CD-ROMs and Star Paroger. Uh, Freedom Finger, uh, Parodius and Arizong have wacky ones. Harmful Park 2, and I'm sure I've seen a pile of poo, too, somewhere. Uh, probably Toilet Kids. <laughs> right. At uh, uh, nshmups, otherwise known as uh, shmups and stuff on Switch, says, not sure if wacky's the word for this, but the samurai head in Zombie Nation firing his own eyeballs is certainly pretty out there. Indeed. Our next comment comes from, from Ekbrenite, who has probably played a little too many of the Choaniki games. He says, men's beam. <laughs> Quarter circle forward, what up? <laughs> All right. Uh, at Futari, please says, um, Hachimaka Fighter says, hi, lol. That's the one with all the, uh, the otters in it. <laughs> yes. It's utterly adorable. It is. 
<sighs> Alrighty. Well, thank you all so much for uh, contributing some fun ideas there. Um, so hopefully any aspiring shmup developers, developers out there looking to make their own cute up or wacky shooter can uh, take a, a few ideas there. Yeah, you know, I would have to say, for me, I would make maybe a shmup themed on Metal Jesus Rocks where you use his hair as a weapon, sort of like a shmup themed version of Kabuki Quantum Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, like, windmill attacks? Yep, you know, he's going for those hidden gems. Oh, Forget geez. coffee and... <laughs> coffee and crystals you go for those hidden gems use your hair so do you have to use a specific hair attack in order to get the hidden gems from enemies yeah you know sort of it's that way it sounds like we're describing shanti doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay now someone needs to rom hack a shanti uh the shanti game the original shanti and and put njr in there uh, I'm kind of toying around with the idea of making something uh, food-based myself, actually. And yeah, the, the idea of having, like, uh, condiments for, for weapons is, is pretty central. Uh, but the main attack is basically just this gigantic squirt of Donair sauce that goes across the screen. Oh. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of like Pony Tatchin's idea of ketchup and mustard as your sidearms. That's, that's a good idea. I don't know, I... I think a lot of these, a lot of the wacky ideas have already kind of been done. I mean, unless you start, <clears throat> unless you start getting really obtuse, um, I feel like most of the functionally good ideas that are also wacky uh, have also been, or have mostly been done. I mean, you know, there's a few things that that have that are still kind of developing. Um, yeah, there's much about much ado about Moochie Moochie Pork. Right. That needs a sequel. Yeah. So yeah, I can't I can't really come up with anything that's that's better than what anyone else posted. So hats off for the for the creativity, folks. Um so let's move into our focus shot, uh, where we're just gonna continue to talk about Mushihime Sama for the uh, for the year of 2022, and I got to say right off the bat, uh, I put a little bit of time into this earlier just to kind of get a little bit of of uh, I don't know get the get the juices flowing or what have you. And holy cow, am I out of practice? Um, I was just sort of credit feeding through the game a little bit and realizing I I need to relearn the first couple of stages uh, and then tighten up my approach on stage three. Um, were you saying that maybe you were squashed like a bug? I was squashed like a bug, yes. Um, and of course, I'm playing I'm playing 1.0 uh, normal or original, whatever. And so uh, I know a lot of people kind of swear by a range or 1.5 uh, but I'm trying to sort of get a perspective on the on you know the arcade original so that I can sort of compare 
then when I later go on later and play a range or 1.5. And the one thing I got to look up because if when when you play the Steam version or the Switch version and you look at the controls, there are so many options. I mean, you've got your you've got your shot, then you have auto, then you have rapid fire, then you have full auto. So it's kind of an odd an odd situation with the with the ports of Mushi where there are obviously more options than what you would have had just playing on a cabinet in an arcade because it was either a three or four button game. And that's the thing that I got to look up because I don't remember for sure. You obviously had shot and you obviously have bomb. What I don't remember is if button three is auto or if button three was your weapon switch. So I don't know if the weapon switch mechanic is something that was added to the later ports or if that was central to the original game. Um, so I got to look that up, but <clears throat> I, I've kind of, it's kind of cool how you can sort of play with that a little bit and especially use, I think the full auto piece, which shoots a uh, rapid fire of your main shot and then also the uh, the laser or whatever that's secondary that comes out of your options all at the same time because once you're powered up, if there's a lot of activity on the screen, that can slow the game down and then you can use that to your advantage to get through some of the patterns. Um, but yeah, the... The last portion of the battleship bug, I'll say, in stage three gives me problems. And then the stage three boss just wrecks me. So I, I've got some work to do there. And when I was playing, when I was credit feeding through earlier, I realized just how specifically I'm going to have to route stage five. And then also how much practice it's going to take to get through that final boss um, because holy cow, some of those patterns are nasty. But uh, one thing I noticed that uh, I really appreciate is in stage five, when you're going through and you're taking out the, the big pitcher plants, uh, when you destroy them and they sort of explode they they make the the sound effect that they make is this really satisfying splat. I love it. Any thoughts on on Mushi for uh, for this month? Oh, it sounds to me like you should be playing with a pizza box. <laughs> well, I'm I'm playing with my uh, with my Mayflash arcade stick, um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's it's definitely going to take some practice. Yeah, that's all right. You know, with me too. I uh, I made it past the title screen for this month, so I was able to put some time in. I made it to the through stage three with losing about two lives is the best I can do at this point. I'm still working my way through and routing stuff. Uh, I've got one of these A Power um, wired Xbox One controllers that seems to work pretty well. Mm. Just been using the A button as a singular and holding it for fire seems to work pretty well for switching. 
between focus shot or do a quick spread or lay down between the popcorn. Mushi, as as I think we can all agree, is very much a popcorn mid 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 range enemy. You know, take a little bit of a bullet sponge popcorn mid range, and, and it's a very fast moving game. I, I find that type of quick play style is there, and I would love to try pizza box. I just need to order a pizza first. I haven't <laughs> had time to do that yet. Uh, but it's definitely a fun game, and I'm impressed with what they can do, but it doesn't have the tacticalness, I guess, or, or I should say it doesn't have the depth that you'd find in a Ketsui. It's very interesting because it is Cave's first fantasy, and, and everything before then, for the most part, was either a very pastel cute em up and, and yeah, I wouldn't really put Mushi in a, in a cute em up but just, yeah, historically we had cute em ups which were very pastel-like uh, fantasy zone, or we had your very militaristic shooters up in that point, and so Cave was falling in that direction too, right? I mean, you could say there's some stuff such as Gunbird and stuff was falling in the direction of more, maybe more fantasy, but, or um, uh, Grand Prix, uh, I forget the name of that darn thing. Oh, Kingdom Grand Prix. Shibu Mahou Daisaku-san. Yep, exactly. See, just what I was going to say, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's interesting to see the turn towards fantasy and see how Cave really explored this and how it really drew people in. I, I don't obviously don't remember this being really big in the West at the time. I mean, who who would play a game that? What do you think they name it in English? Bug Wars, Bug Princess. Bug Princess, yeah. I mean, Bug Princess is literal, but do you think they would actually get people to play it? Come on down to Chuck E. Cheese. Let's play Bug Princess. That's a good I, question. Because um, you know, it makes me wonder. I mean, over the past what five? to eight years i would say probably closer to the last five the uh the toho series has taken off in the west um i'm wondering how much traction to toho and similar stuff had in years prior and more specifically how much traction toho had in japan around the time that mushi was developed and if that's one of the reasons why that was the direction that they went was because there was more of a shift away from the space shooters and the, the military style stuff to, uh, you know, stuff that was more, um, I'll say, anime influenced. Yeah, stuff that was very fantasy, but wasn't extremely cartoonish. It still cut a bit of realism in there, and interesting to see that and seeing how it drew people. I know Aqua said said that was a big draw for him, was the fantasy and how different it was from anything else. The, again, the only problem I have with it is, is let's say stage three of Katsui, you're flying around. There's parts of that game in stage three, in particular, where you're going to have to stop on a dime and you have to maneuver your speed. You have to go from focus shot really quickly. And just kick kick up the afterburners and start doing your normal shot and spreading it out. I don't get that as much with Mushi. It's a little bit easier to just sort of stay in your solar spot and focus. Now, granted, I'm only playing on normal on the default difficulty. But it, it definitely does not feel as difficult or as nuanced as Ketsui does. I still love the game. I just 
wish it had a little bit more depth. Sure. I think that's where Futari comes in, though. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only thing that Futari probably doesn't do as well as, and this is just my opinion, doesn't do as well as Mushi is, you don't really get the Bug, bug Princess connection as well defined as you do in Mushi. Fair observation, I think. Uh, there is more of an emphasis on dragons. Um, but yeah, in terms of mechanics, though, it's it, it takes the groundwork laid by Mushihime-sama and sort of really uh, ratchets it up and makes it much more intricate. It's much more interesting to play, definitely. Well, I would wholeheartedly agree. I I would definitely be rather playing Mushi to, oh, sorry, Futari to some extent. And that game really has very distinct environments on each and each one has different ways of enveloping you in and the bullet patterns aren't as as frantic it, it doesn't have such a hectic pace there's a little bit of lulls in there which are nice too yeah i'll be i'll be interesting to i'll be interested to see how our discussion changes throughout uh the next few months as we as we play 1.0 more, but then also as we explore uh, 1.5 and arrange and possibly look at Maniac and Ultra modes and some of these, uh, because I, I suspect that you'll, you'll definitely have to be a lot more specific about, as you said with Ketsui, stop on a dime, move here, change from focus to, to regular and that kind of a thing it will probably be a lot more involved in some of the other modes or or other difficulties i would assume yeah i tried 1.5 and i have to say i found it easier it gives you a lot more it's a lot more forgiving with the weapons you get more damage output to it and, and i i think it actually plays better as a result however it, i think most people are going to be playing the original mode and that's where i'm going to focus as much as i can to get the original experience or the original intent you know, no matter how painful you know it's just like ready three arcade it can be right okay very good well let's move on to shmup news uh, i compiled a few things here uh first off i saw this announcement from vgny soft from video games new york they are going to be doing several physical shmup releases uh, for 2022. Now, they did a video announcing all of these different games for 2022. I, I don't know how many of these are actually going to come out physically this year, or if all of these are just going to be up for pre-order, but um, I suspect that we'll get most of these this year. So... In the list was uh, Earth Atlantis, and of course these are all Nintendo Switch releases, um, which is a horizontal uh, kind of exploration shmup, I guess you would call it. Now this already had a PS4 physical through East Asia Soft, but uh, v uh, VGNY is doing a, a, sh a shmup or a Switch physical. Uh, there's a game called Stellar Interface, which is another Hori. Um, kind of retro pixel style graphics looked uh, solid enough um a game called overdriven evolution which is a kind of vertizontal uh that actually looked 
pretty decent. So I'll be curious to see that in, uh, in action more. There's a game called Rick Henderson, another Hori, uh, retro pixel style uh, visuals. That one looks a lot like Steradin. Yeah. Very much like Steradin. Steradin lake. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, I, I, I'm curious to see it. I've kind of been watching the, the development that, of that one on Twitter. Um, but other than a, a few clips, I don't really know that much about it. So I'll, I'll be curious to see more of it. Worth asking, is Earth Atlantis the first Earth Atlantis, or is this planned for the second one? It's, well, according to the footage in the video that they showed, it's the first one. Ah, okay. I'm surprised it doesn't have a Switch physical at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if that's because uh, East Asia Soft didn't, maybe it didn't sell well. Uh, on the PS4, and so they felt like it wasn't worth going back to double dip up for the Switch, and they just didn't pick mm. it up. I don't know. Uh, one I'm looking forward to is Crisis Wing, which is a vertical shmup, and kind of a, I guess you would call it a Toa Plan-like. It very yeah. it very much kind of mirrors that uh, Tatsujin uh, kind of, you know, tr- Truxton kind of... Uh, kind of vibe. Uh-oh, don't say that three more times you'll summon Mark. <laughs> yeah, we'll summon Oh, hi Mark. Mark Bustler. <laughs> uh and curiously uh VGN Ysoft is doing a physical for Remote Life. That makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up a little. Yeah, I'm wondering if if the dev of the game has done some patches or fixes to the game to improve it some Ooh, i hope so uh, yeah i would hope so too so i mean i've got i've got kind of like an inside track on the thought processes behind the game and the um yeah maybe it's uh, is best saved for one of my streams <laughs> right so tune in for that but uh i don't know super duper buyer beware on that yeah i'm that one might be one where i'll have to wait until it's actually released and then see what people say about it and whether or not the the switch version has been tweaked or improved upon yeah Uh, and then of course one that's already been released or one that's already been announced and uh some of us have pre-ordered already but uh, hopefully we'll finally going to be getting Andro Dunos 2 uh, this year. Uh, so looking forward to that. I'm told that actually it should be coming soon, uh, according to the fine folks over at uh, pixelheart.eu. Right. So um, as, long, as long as they're getting it on time, VGNY should be as well. Okay. And I want to say that that was actually developed by uh, the same... Uh, the same folks who did uh, uh, Infinos Gaiden, right? Uh, yeah, Pickering Soft. Yeah, so that bodes well, I think, because that's a good game, and I think they they do solid work. Um, the All Your Base Are Belong to Toa Plan documentary uh, was fully funded on Kickstarter, and actually, uh, 
managed to hit 150% of funding, so they were able to hit at least one of the stretch goals. Uh, I'm excited about this because this is going to be interviews with uh, Tatsuya Uemura and uh, other Toeplan staffers, um, as well as Manabu Namiki and Gosato and some other uh, kind of shoot 'em up luminaries, if you will, from Japan uh, who took influence from Toeplan. Uh, I think uh, Ikeda from Cave is is going to be uh, in the documentary as well, and so there's involvement with Shmup Junkie, and actually the guy who's who's directing it and putting it together is a friend of his, and he's a big Toeplan fan. Um, my understanding is this guy owns all of the Toeplan Shmups on PCB, and uh, so he's a he's a big fan, and. Uh, Mark Bustler is going to be providing um, some voiceover, I guess, uh, narration, I think. So this is this is going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. I backed it and uh, definitely looking forward to what they come up with. City Connection announced the Layer Section and Galac- Galactic Attack S Tribute uh, for Xbox... PlayStation 4, 5, and Switch. That's another one I'm going to have to hold my breath on. Yeah, this is this is another one of those. The S-Tribute thing, I think, is going to be similar to the Cotton Saturn Tribute, where they had Cotton 2, Cotton Boomerang, and Guardian Force. Now, as most of us who uh, follow the scene already are aware, that had a ridiculous amount of input lag. Uh, I don't consider myself to be someone who's that sensitive to it, uh, but I noticed on the Turbo Graphics Mini that uh, Lords of Thunder was a bit laggy, for example. But uh, I think that collection, uh, upon release, had something on the order of 10 or 11 frames of lag, which is pretty egregious, and certainly not something that should be in a in a final state for release or in certainly not in a physical product that you put out. So it's like beta plus performance. Yeah. Uh, Layer section is great. Um, I've got both layer section, the Japanese release and galactic attack, the North American release for the Saturn. It's a fantastic game. It's one we're going to have to cover. And um, maybe, you know, once that comes out, would be a time to to take a look at it, but I don't know that I would necessarily encourage people to go play that version. I I would almost say play the, uh, play the PS2 or Xbox, uh, version of the game that's on, on the, uh, Taito, uh, Legends 2 compilation, just because even though it's, it's just a port of MAME with the ROM, it probably plays better than what this, uh, what this collection from city connection is going to be. Although, um, you know, I think I might actually recommend just getting the, uh, the, the Saturn version of it, uh, from Japan. True. S- still super duper affordable compared to even title legends. <clears throat> That's true. Uh, yeah, the Saturn version, the Japanese Saturn version, I'll say is, is very cheap. The North American yes, yeah. version has become ridiculous. Um, for no other reason that it's like, you know, 
North American Saturn chic. Right. Um, I mean, I, I lucked out when I, when I started collecting Saturn, it was just as the Saturn was in its, uh, final death throes. And in the months leading up to the debut of the Dreamcast, so nobody wanted Saturn stuff, you know, so I was able to buy Galactic Attack and Darius Gaiden, both, I think, for 20 bucks a piece, um, you know, but I bought, I bought Layer Section, the Japanese version, from a mom and pop video game store, um, in North Carolina when I was traveling on business, um, and I just went over there, and of course, this has been, I don't know, five, six years ago, but it was a used copy of Layer Section that I bought here in North America at a game store, and it was five bucks. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that. Yeah. So, you know, it it's still, like you said, it's still dirt cheap. It's a great way to play it. And my personal opinion is that the updated or or redone soundtrack for the Saturn is better than the arcade original. Um, I know there are some who disagree with that, but uh, uh, it's fantastic, I think. So anyway, but it'll be interesting to see how that develops and whether or not... Because um, I know they, they brought the, uh, the person who coded the original emulator that they used in the product, they brought that person on board to help with uh, patching the games and bringing down the uh, amount of lag. So I guess we'll see um, whether or not they're able to make any, any real progress with that. Uh, I got an email earlier that uh, Game Fairy is now saying that they expect the, uh, they're expecting the physicals uh, and all the materials to be uh, to arrive soon for the Rigid Force Redux release that they uh, were uh, in pre-order for last year, and they've uh, they've sold through. I think they said something like seventy-five percent of the limited editions and sixty percent of the standard. So it does look like that's still available. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be nice to see that finally come out. Mm, yeah, I got that notification as well, and I'm really looking forward to digging into that edition. Uh, Rigid Force Redux, of course, is one of the better games to come out uh, that sort of follows the R-Type formula. So well worth checking out uh, these physical editions from Game Fairy if you get the chance. Yeah, yeah, I, I bought the digital release on Switch um, when it came out, sometime after it came out, and um, kind of played through uh, enough to get a clear on the easy difficulty um and kind of messed around with the the standard difficulty but never quite uh never quite got back to it so that'll that'll definitely be one we'll have to uh we'll have to dig into for sure a couple of couple of new shmups that are out now on steam uh there's one called Hyper 5, which is horizontal, and I guess I would call it a cinematic shmup. You know, it kind of has that really high production value quality to it, like you would see in a Natsuki Chronicles, or um, dare I say, Sinomora EX, or something like that, where it just looks like it's uh, had a lot of attention to detail in the graphic design and all of that. Uh, I don't know how it plays, 
but it certainly looks nice. And uh, I will say, I will say, like if you're looking to play this game and take advantage of its graphical clout, you're going to need a really beefy PC. Mm. Okay, that is one thing. Yeah. However, I mean, you can make concessions with uh, anti-aliasing and a, a couple of other lighting and shadow um, uh, features, and you can you can smooth out most of the rough patches if you, you just fiddle with the options a little bit. Oh, there you go. I yeah. wish the same could be said about our type uh, final two. <laughs> right. But yeah, that's that's out on Steam and Itch, uh, and then. Also out on Steam now is Operation Steel. This is another Hori. And um, this one's been in development for a little while. Uh, but uh, kind of shmup community member BBNZ uh, uh, has done this game. And um, it looks nice. Uh, so I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Really cool weapons in it. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, this was something that I came thing, across... Sorry. Oh, sorry, One thing I think you forgot here is uh, Grand Cross Renovation. Oh, yeah, I mentioned that last month. Yeah, still, I, I definitely, this is coming up as something we're going to definitely have to check out really soon. I'm Ooh. really excited to try this. Man, that, that game is wild. Mm. Yeah, it certainly looks wild. I, I followed the development of it on Twitter for quite some time. It's it, it will grab you and it will not let you go until it's done with you. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. It's All so right. good. That, Starship yeah, X good. approved. That's... I need another game just like that. Right. Well, that's... Well, yeah, shmup that will grab you and not let you go. Yeah. High praise. All right. Insert Rick roll here. <laughs> um, something I came across a bit randomly on Kickstarter is a game called Guntner. G-U-N-T-N-E-R. And this is an interesting one. It's it's an NES shooter, and when I found it, it was almost 300% funded. Uh, the, the developer is purposely trying to do something uh, with limitations. So he's making this game 24 kilobytes in size, uh, which I think, according to the Kickstarter video, matches, uh, what was it, Ice Climber and... Um, what's the, uh, Urban Champion. Those are both 24K games. Um, and so the other interesting things that I saw about it were that he's doing, it, the game is going to be doing procedurally generated music, which is interesting. And then also it's going to scroll from right to left. So it's all very unique. Um, but I kind of, I, I kind of saw this on, on Kickstarter and I thought, okay, I like that someone's doing something unique and different. So I'll bite. Uh, so I just kind of backed it on a whim. Um, I don't know if I, I'm assuming that at some point the ROM's going to get released either for purchase or for free, but there's a, you know, a limited number of physicals that'll be available for the Kickstarter. But this is one of those that, yeah, it's just kind of out there. But I sort of like the 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 brash approach. Uh, so I found that to be interesting. Yeah, I definitely would check that out. And if you, anyone hasn't, Haradius Zero 
I mean, it, it's not going to be an amazing shmup, but it's not bad. The sequel is what I'm really interested in. I got to order a copy from the uh, Japanese store. Is it takes use of the expansion audio of the Famicom and it actually plays back MP3s for the soundtrack for the game. Oh, cool. That's a neat idea. Um, there are Toa Plan cores in development for the Mr. FPGA. Um, so right now, what uh, is being worked on is Zero Wing, OutZone, and uh, Truxton or Tatsujin. Um, I've seen some stuff on Twitter here the last few days, just showing off base footage of these games in action. Um, you know, I saw I saw a partial, uh, you know, couple of minutes of Zero Wing. I saw somebody messing around with OutZone for a couple of minutes, and that was... They either had the dip switches uh, changed to uh, not allow damage, or the core is, is still, you know, in development enough to where there wasn't a hit detection yet, because the guy was just walking up and wrecking everything, and bullets were not, uh, were not doing anything. Uh, and then Truxton uh, was actually playing properly... Um, but the person who, the guy who was recording it was, you know, had his phone in one hand trying to run the camera and then was trying to use the joystick and the buttons in the other. And so he was not playing very well, but the game was working. So definitely. It sounds to me like he should have been using as an ASCII super L5. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, the, uh, the one handed SNES pad or super Famicom pad. Yes, that will be making a return in uh, Shmup Slam Five, correct? Yeah, it will. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to uh, we'll have to plug that later. Uh, but speaking of Toa Plan, also uh, pre-orders are now up for the Hishu Same 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 Toa Plan Collection. Uh, this, of course, is the next in line of the Toa Plan ports from M2. Uh, of course, we already had the. Um, uh, the uh, Twin Tiger, or what, what's it called? Uh, it was the... Oh, uh, Kyokyoku Tiger Heli. Yeah, Kyokyoku Tiger Heli collection that, that combined Tiger Heli with Kyoku, Kyoku Tiger and Twin Cobra. And so now we get the uh, Hishisame and Samesamesame, um, which is, of course, uh, Flying Shark or Sky Shark. Shark Shark. And then... <laughs> Uh, and then Shark, 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 or what we know in the West as Fire Shark on the Genesis. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, the Sega Genesis version of Fire Shark is a favorite of mine. Um, it's good. Yeah. I know that the arcade version is supposed to be brutal, but um, my guess is in like fashion to what they did with the the uh, uh, Kyu Kyoku Tiger Heli collection they will most likely include console versions so i would expect to see the famicom version of of sky shark and the genesis or mega drive version of fire shark included um so for those who missed out on the more recent uh re-release of the physical cartridge through uh retro bit uh, would you know would have the opportunity to play it on here? 
according to the Amazon page here, there's going to be 13 titles included with Hisho Sami Sami Sami. 13? 13. Good grief. Now, of course, they always sort of include some kind of non-shmup, uh, at least on the physical version, and that's usually DLC or or download mm. of some kind for the digital there, version. There will be two. Um, Wardner is going to be the non-shmup included, and then as a pre-order bonus, you get Techie Packy, which is a, um, a falling block puzzle game. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so then what are the other games? Are there going to be that many console versions included? I believe so, yeah, because you've got Flying Shark, you've got uh, Fire Shark. Uh, they're going to have the the Genesis and um, Mega Drive versions of each. They're going to have NES versions, arcade versions. Uh, they got Sky Shark, Flying Shark. Oh, yeah, here's a screenshot that has them all. Uh, so uh, Flying Shark, there's going to be... Sky Shark and Flying Shark arcade versions, which is US and world version. Uh, Sky Shark on NES. Uh, Wardner Arcade, Wardner World Version Arcade. Uh, it's called Pyros uh, in the US version. Uh, Same 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 Mega Drive, Fire Shark Mega Drive, and uh, Wardner no Mori FDS version. Huh. Uh, that's Famicom Disk System. Um, and then, of course, uh, yeah. Uh, Sami 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 Arcade, super easy and custom. Nice. Yeah, it's 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 so chock full of stuff that you'd be hard pressed not to find a version, uh, uh, like a, a port or a a mode that you won't enjoy playing. Right. Yeah, and as as brutal as the original arcade version of Sami 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 is purported to be, with a super easy mode and a custom mode where you can kind of tweak it somewhat, you know, you can find a a way to play it that will will suit your difficulty level or um, I guess your preference in terms of, you know, some people just want to play and have a good time. And uh, in some people's minds, being brutally killed and lo losing your credit within the first 30 seconds is not your, some, some people's idea of a good time, <laughs> which I understand. People love Gradius 3. <laughs> right. Um, a couple of other shooters that are uh, going to be available for pre-order uh, or are available for pre-order now as we're recording this. Uh, one of those is Red Death, which has been out for a little while um, digitally. This is from Arabong, who did the uh, Project Starship X that we covered prior and has also developed uh, the original Project Starship and uh, I believe Void Gore. And uh, so, uh, is it? Do you have any experience with this one, Ed? Red Death, yeah. I uh, I played it on. I think I've got it on Switch. I bought it. I think, yeah, I bought it on Switch. Okay. And uh, it's. Uh, I wouldn't say as as refined as like a Project Starship X. I think there's there's elements of it that made it into Project Starship X. Okay. Uh, because Project Starship and then Red Death and then Null Void, I think, were the three his three original games. And then he took elements of those and put them into his other titles later down the line. Uh -huh. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure that's what the development process was. Uh, but yeah, this, this, I believe, is his second game. Okay. So 
you know, for listeners out there, if you like Project Starship X and you want to maybe see where the seeds of some of those ideas were planted, then uh, Red Death on PS4, the physical, or, of course, the digital releases that are out for PS4 Switch and, and PC might be worth a look. And then, of course, uh, we have to mention Soul Cresta. Uh, the release date has been pushed back to February 22nd. Uh, for PS4, Switch, and Steam. But, as we record this, um, Limited Run Games is live with pre-orders for a physical version. So, um, I had a busy day at work, and I did not get that far, but I will definitely be pre-ordering my copy. And, as the sucker that I am, I'm going to probably get the edition that comes with the CD soundtrack because I'm a sucker for such things, and because it's a Yuzo Koshiro soundtrack. Guess what? I got a fever. <laughs> the only prescription is more Cresta, baby. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh. Seriously, though, like I've been leading up to this release for quite some time now. Uh, I've been amassing as much Cresta as I could. Uh, to sort of go into bullet heaven to review this one when it finally comes out, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to dip hard for that uh, limited edition to get the uh, the metal model of the uh, the uh, the Cresta ship. Oh, very nice, hell yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. So that is your shmup news for this episode. So I guess let's move on and start talking about our game for the month. And just real quickly, uh, we can shout out uh, our participants for the month. Of course, we had uh, myself and Addicted. We also had Mini Console Man, Gollum, uh, Corkman, Fomacho. Uh, I believe D. Tungsten said he played... Um, he mentioned that on stream and in the Discord. He played a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, Ed streamed the game. Well, once or twice. Oh, yeah, a couple times. So, anyway, as mentioned before, the game is Airzonk. Also, uh, well, we'll get into that here. Uh, Addicted, would you like to introduce us to uh, Airzonk and some surrounding details? All right. Airzonk was developed by Red Company, which was founded in Tokyo in 1976, but didn't start doing business until 1985. You know, I, I have that problems too, where you sort of get things going and you're just slow to get around to them. <laughs> the initial software was comprised of PC Engine titles like PC Genshin, which is Bonk, Gate of Thunder, and Lords of Thunder for the PC Engine CD-ROM ROM as well as games based on the Galaxy Fraulein Yuna and Tengai Makio properties. Other notable games from Red Company include The Twisted Tales of Spike McFane, Thousand Arms, Blood Will Tell, and Gungrave. The Tempo games, which are on the Saturn Game Gear, Sakura Tizen, and the Record of August Augurist War series. Originally known as the PC Genjin series, PC Dungeon in Japan, with the PC staying for Punknik Cyborgs. 
you know, it was oh, and of course Bonk was the uh, what was it, Picanderous, um computerist or something like that, or yeah. or PC person. Yeah, yeah. P- Pythagoras. Yes. Something like that. Computerist. Yeah. Computerist or something on there. And, yep. and of course, Genjin means caveman. Uh, okay. No, this game was released in 1992 on Hue Card or Turbo Chip formats. You know, it makes the use of the word Turbo Chip here. I feel like every time we say that, we got to give uh, Johnny Turbo a nickel or something. <laughs> the use of, as we talked about, the use of Dungeon is a pun electric electrician or electric man. Red Company rebranded as Red Entertainment in 2000. And the red portion comes from the name of the Royal Emperor Dragon. The company has since been acquired a couple times, but it's still in operation. And I'm a little surprised to see that they recycled the same bad guy. You think Air Zonk would actually get it, or Zonk would get his own bad guy? I I, I don't know why they recycled King Droll, but oh well. The evil King Drool has set forth powerful cyber robots to carry out his evil designs, but a cool team of sunglass-wearing warriors led by Zonk have discovered his plot and have risen against him. In hopes of defeating this team, King Drool sends wave after wave of terrible cyber robots. But by combining their power, Zonk and his friends can destroy the worst of the cyber robot. Get ready. The fight is about to begin. Now, looking at Airzonk and the story in the sub, I swear it seems like a lost Nicktoons uh, cartoon here. If, if Battletoads could make it, so could Airzonk. Uh, you, know, you just get the voice of Mega Man from Captain N to you get that real gravelly voice, and <laughs> you, you got it made. I, I, I think it could have worked. Plus, all the characters seem like they're out of uh, the mind of Ren and Stimpy. It just it has that early 90s vibe to it that, you don't know, see, the only thing I think that comes close is, um, I, I keep on saying Gekido, but that's not correct. It, the English translation is Photograph Boy. That also came for the PC Engine, and, and that has similar striking visuals and uh, humor, shall we say. Uh, we were discussing this earlier about the humor in... Uh, PC Engine and how scat, illogical-based humor seems to gravitate towards the PC Engine. I don't know what it is about it, but uh, you think of more be towards a Atari Jaguar CD-ROM, right? That seems more of a, a better place for scatological humor. <laughs> more but, apropos? Yes. <laughs> well, it was the 90s. We all loved poop jokes. <laughs> uh, you, you had Kato and Ken. You had your... Uh, you you have PC you know Airzonk you have your uh, toilet kids on there I, I just don't understand is about about there maybe it was something to do with that shuttle that shuttle design <laughs> but either way it is is interesting to see and really is epitome of the 90s and the way that things look in the story I I'm... I think if it were up to me. Uh, if, if it were made into a cartoon, like <clears throat> Zonk would have like the, the the right kind of attitude behind him, like he talk like this, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> King Drool, you'll never get away. <laughs> Sounds like we're almost doing with uh, uh, what was his name, Jaleel White? <laughs> Jaleel White, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, everyone, I, I just couldn't picture ears on going. I need a chili Jedi. dog. <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't picture ears on going. Did I do that? <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. You know, I, uh, hey, if it's not a Nicktoons, at least maybe it could be done by Deke. <laughs> the best of the low quality budget animation. Right. I I, I love how the uh, the plot synopsis from the manual describes them as cyber robots. Are there? Are there robots that are not cyber robots? Yeah, that's true. I sort of like asking, uh, are there Transformers that don't come from Cybertron? I wonder. Right. And non-denominational robots. (laughs) 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 So, uh, gameplay... Seems deceptively simple, um, you know. The tur- the Turbo Graphics controller PC Engine pad only has uh, a couple of buttons, of course. So the one button uh, shoots your weapon rapid fire, uh, and then holding down the two button will charge your special. Uh, now, if you tro- if you hold the two button down long enough, you'll charge up and release a bomb which uh, detonates for a couple seconds and clears out bullets and uh, will damage all enemies on screen. Yeah, you know, in the Japanese version, if you hold down the button, it releases a special type of special. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the there are definitely some differences between the Japanese and, and Western releases that we'll, we'll get into. Uh, there are three difficulties... And at least in the TurboGrafx version, according to the manual, those are Sweet, which is kind of your easy mode. You start with five lives and there are fewer bullets. Uh, Spicy is your normal mode. You start with three lives and uh, there are more bullets uh, on screen. And then Bitter, you start with only one life and enemies are generally more aggressive. One of the big mechanics of the game, of course, is uh, the friend selection. Uh, so when you when you start the game and uh, you go into uh, the first stage, before you actually start the stage, you have the ability to choose a companion that can go along with you. And so the initial menu that you're presented with lets you choose auto, where the game just picks a friend for you. Or manual, of course, so then you can cycle through and choose the one you want. Or, for a real challenge, choose alone, where then you have to play the game solo and don't uh, don't actually get to take a friend with you. Yeah, if you play on solo, it doesn't make the scoring higher or something. There's a benefit to that, right? Uh, I don't know. Um, seems to me like the game is a little bit vanilla without having the friends along. So I I didn't actually mess with that. I seem to think there's a benefit of where it does it. Maybe it's because the game is harder, it gives you, I forget, something to do with scoring, I believe. Well, um, I know that um, certain items are required to bring your friends along, and uh, with, uh, with, with going alone, you get, like, support drones that come out of your head. Oh, 
Yeah. And I, I don't really play that that uh, that style because I prefer to have like the the cool hybrids, right? But right. Uh, yeah. yeah. And we should also mention that the game, there's eight friends, right? So during the course of the game, you're going to be using about half the friends. So it, it adds some replayability to it, which is quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so all of the basically the way it works is. As you take out enemies, you get these smiley faces. And then once you collect enough of these small smiley faces, then you get a big smiley face. And when you get the big smiley face, then your friend comes along. And all of the friends, no matter what they are, will fly around near you and will shoot missiles. Um, And so the, the list of friends that you can get are... There's Scud, which is a giant missile, uh, no doubt named after the Scud missiles uh, from the Gulf War, which was a thing at the time. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. And it was time for clacks. You have Power Dump, which is this weird sort of two-wheel flying dump truck. You have Bublition, which... Yep, it's a gumball magician. Gumball... A gumball machine magician. Magician. Okay, see, with the hat and the cane, I was thinking maybe politician, but that makes more sense. A gumball magician. It's just so odd. Uh, Then you have Spike Ree, which, interestingly enough, is Spike Ree in the game, but Spike Lee in the manual. So I don't know if that was a translation error on the part of the game or the part of the manual, or if it's one of those things where they put it in the manual and changed it in the game because of the real Spike Lee, and maybe they thought that, you know, there would be a problem with that or something. Spike Ree is a sort of pufferfish head on a humanoid body. That's the only way I can describe it. Then you have Mumbles which is a sort of flying mummy with a drill on its head. Uh, You have Bob, the baseball, who, of course, wears a baseball cap. There's Rip, who is a a little dog. Uh, Astra, I think, is some kind of a witch. Moo Moo is the flying... I want to say she's more of a fortune teller. Okay fortune teller that works um you have moo moo who is this uh flying cow who is very round <laughs> almost looks like uh sort of a cartoon representation of what you would think of if uh you know in a silly cartoon where you had a cow that you stuck an air hose in its mouth and it would blow up and get really big <laughs> Yeah, it's a cow crossed with a balloon. <clears throat> kind of, yeah. Uh, and then Tojo. And I was trying to think of what Tojo actually was. And the closest thing I could come up with was maybe some kind of tiny flying Shinto shrine. Um, uh, P- Pagoda Castle, yeah. Okay. Pagoda Castle, there you go. Because... Um, uh, which, which for, uh, for reference, I've actually got the Japanese names here as well. Oh! S- so, Scud in Japan was known as Rakuten. Okay. Uh, Spike Lee is Yuni-chan. 
Uh, power dump is simply dump, which is quite unfortunate. <laughs> there we go with the poop jokes again. <laughs> uh, Bublishin is formalin. Uh, Rip is inu, which just means dog. Uh, Bob in the game says ball, but his real name is Makyun, right? Um, which is like uh, ya uh, Yaku is baseball in, in Japan, so it's kind of like a, a sound-alike name. Ah. Um, Mumbles is Zebra. Um, Astra is Mew Mew. Um, Mumu is Momo. <laughs> and then Tojo is uh, Yamashiro, which y Yamashiro would mean mountain castle if you were to translate it. Uh, okay. I'm wondering if uh, I'm wondering if that uh, wh what did you say Mumbles was? Zebra. Okay. I don't. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to circle back just real quick here. I, I should have stopped you earlier, but I, I know we were talking about the one button, two button. There is another button that. Uh, you can use to attack, and that's the select button, select right? Select button, yeah. Yeah. Which, that's... if you've if you've got a, a game pad like the Avenue Pad Three, you can select, you can map select to the three button, makes it a lot easier to reach. Oh, definitely on there, and it, I think it's the only time I've seen a feature of this in a video game since maybe Einhander, where the booster jets or your fire coming out of your propulsion system can actually hurt the enemies. Oh, see. You're talking about the rocket boots. Correct. Okay. Now, see, they kind of fire automatically when there's a threat that's behind you. So Right. In the first two difficulty modes, I believe they're automatic. After that, the hardest one, you have to press it, I think. Uh, um, yeah, on bitter, it's, uh, it's not automatic. Okay. There you go. See, I didn't know this. Um, I did not realize that. And now you can put that, the more you know... But I guess the thing that I was, was wanting to say is what we were kind of explaining before is of, you know, with the, the smiley faces, you collect the smiley faces and then you get enough of them to then generate the large smiley face, which brings your companion along. Well, then you keep collecting the small smiley faces until another large one comes along. And then, assuming that you still have your companion with you, you haven't died or they haven't left, then you can grab that. And then you sort of do this merge or this transformation thing where it sort of makes a hybrid of Zonk and the companion. Uh, and so each, each, uh, each companion and Zonk combination is its own special hybrid form. Uh, so there are some pretty interesting, um, interesting combinations. Like Madonna Zonk, or as you called it, Hooker Zonk. <laughs> yeah. With Moo Moo. Uh, and that's one of the, that's one of the differences between the Japanese and, and Western versions. Um, but you know, if, if you've never seen this sprite, it's something to behold. It, indeed it is. Uh, but like you, you know, you combine with Spike Ree and you sort of become Pufferfish Zonk 
with, you know, clapping, uh, you know, clapping his fins together or what have you. And I don't know, shooting fish out of its head or something. It's really weird. Or like, uh, Bob, you know, when you combine with Bob, Zonk basic, basically becomes a baseball player. And then you rapid fire baseballs that sort of have, I would say mild homing capabilities. Um, or with Moo, you know, in the, in the North American version, Zonk just sort of has these milk cannons that shoot milk bottles out. And then when the milk bottles, uh, hit enemies that sort of splat and make these large milk splashes. Whereas in the Japanese version, of course, you, uh, Oh, you sort of get dressing zonk. Yeah. You get zonk with lipstick and, um, what we'll call the 1989 Madonna tour, uh, costume (laughs) with the, uh, the conical bra, um, and shooting milk. Uh, so, Anyway, (laughs) brings new meaning to the term splash damage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it does. (laughs) But yeah, each one of these, each one of these transformations, uh, you know, has its own unique attack and uh, their own strengths and weaknesses. And I, I have noticed that some of the some of the combinations are more powerful than others, and uh, some of them seem to work really well against specific bosses. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, in terms of Zonk himself, however, uh, he starts off with what I what I've dubbed the snot shot. He sort of shoots out green <laughs> mucus. Um, which is, you know, it's basically Zonk is throwing his buggers at enemies. Um, there we go. There's another good idea. Boogerman the schmuck. <laughs> oh, see, now I'd play that. Uh, when you when you hold the button to charge, then uh, once that's charged off, then you get a large mucus ball, and then when that comes into contact with a bullet or an enemy, it splits off into a spread, and... Um, uh, you know, does additional damage that way. Uh, and then you can, you can collect different, uh, items that, uh, you'll get by shooting these pink or green smiley face deals, uh, that I, I think are similar to the, the, the ones that you would see on the ground in bonk that would give you hearts or the, you know, meat sticks that you would get. Uh, and so, they they call those air bones and they they literally look like um like a capsule with bone ends on the top and the bottom and so you get uh there's there's ones that look like a little zonk head and that kind of turns you into tiny air zonk and it keeps the snot shot but then adds this sort of homing secondary shot I thought it was at whatever direction you were pushing, it would face that direction. So, right, you got your primary shot, and then if you pressed up, it would start firing up as you're doing that. I think it starts doing that, maybe, but it does home in on enemies. And there's no charge shot in the tiny zonk form. Uh, There's a boomerang item 
that of course gives Zonk these goofy looking boomerangs. They'll fire outward and then double back. They do have limited range. The charge shot does kind of a, a large, wide, three-way spread boomerang shot. That doesn't come back. It just sort of goes out and uh, you know, it goes over a pretty large path. Uh, there's, the cutter, yeah. Yeah, the cutter. And it, it does kind of look like a, you know, cut man, Mega Man uh, boomerang style. It's similar to that. Uh, there's a missile that, of course, gives you three-way homing missiles. And when you charge that up, it's a larger volley. I thought it was five missiles, but uh, according to this uh, picture that you shared in the in the chat here, Ed, it looks like maybe it's more than that. You sort of get this large launcher deal that shows up when you charge, and then it show it throws out a larger volley. There's a lightning bolt, and that gives Zonk a sort of eight-way, eight-way lightning, uh, which is very short range. But then, uh, when you charge it up, you you shoot out these two things, and I couldn't tell what they are. I don't know if they're like generators or their feet it's uh it's the uh the zonk kick okay so they're just giant zonk feet then okay well you learn something new every day <laughs> uh there's also one that sort of looks like a playing card i don't know if they're supposed to be hanafuda cards um or what but in the manual in the japanese manual you can see him sort of shuffling these cards and so that acts yeah. as a kind of a basic spread shot and then when you charge that up, it it adds more cards to the spread and then does this thing where it sort of spins around and becomes a, a complete 360 sort of thing where you get a, a, a layer of cards that spins around you or, or shoots out in all directions briefly. One of the better attacks is called Zonk Trump. Zonk Trump. Okay. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a really good attack and, and you cover a lot of ground with it. Um, and one thing we should mention, some of these attacks can knock down bullets, which is a actually, um, <clears throat> any charged attack can, yeah, which is good for scoring, but even some of the, uh, some of the non-charged attacks, I, I want to say the, the short range lightning will also knock yeah. down bullets. The, the, the zonk kick definitely it's, it's regular shot will, uh, will nullify bullets as well, but only because it's so short range. Right. Yeah, so you definitely get uh, some trade-offs with that. Um, there's a... I think it's a battery. I, I couldn't tell exactly. It's like a battery or some kind of wand thing. I don't know. It, it gives you the ability to, sh to fire what looks like a short-range uh, electric shock of some kind. Yeah. It's 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 like a little laser uh, laser bit that uh, pops out of his mouth, and you shoot a, a limited beam, and then you can uh, charge it up for like a, a ring laser shot. Right. Yeah, yeah. The rings are pretty cool because they sort of spread and go up and down um, in a pretty wide swath. Yeah. Uh, there's the metal chomper, which <laughs> gives you this stream of these little chomping teeth things that fly out of Zonk's mouth. Uh, and then when you charge that, it creates a giant metal chomper that just pops out of his mouth and 
st sits out in front of you for a couple of seconds and gives you big damage against uh, enemies and stuff. I want to say that's only present in a couple places in the game. It's not available everywhere. Yeah, no, there's... Um... I, th I think you can pick it up in stages... I know stage two. Definitely stage two. Uh, stage... And then stage five, I think. Five, and then stage 5.5. .5. Okay. There's the boxing gloves, uh, and so that gives you the ability to throw out these boxing gloves, similar to the boomerangs, where you shoot out a pair of boxing gloves and then they'll come back to Zonk. Um, those will knock down bullets and, uh, stuff, but of course you have a limited, a limited amount because you can only shoot two at once. Uh, so there's a little bit of a drawback there. Uh, but the charge for that creates this sort of giant boxing glove missile, um, that then kind of starts slow and then speeds up a little bit as it starts moving across the screen and just sort of damages everything in its path. So that's the uh, the Zonk Punch, and what's cool about the Zonk Punch and the Zonk Kick is that they're they're sort of unique in that you can charge up the next charged attack while the one in play is still doing its thing on the screen. Right. So like with the with the Zonk Punch, you can lay down multiples around the screen to take care of waves or bullets. Um, and then, you know, place another one while those ones are just sort of hanging around. Same deal with the Zonk Kick. While it's flying around the screen, you can get another one. So you've got a steady stream of kicks all the way through the stage. Ah, there you go. And then, as we mentioned, Zonka's got the thrusters in his rocket boots. Um, so uh, now, as I mentioned, they fire automatically. But apparently that's only in Sweet and Spicy. So apparently in Bitter, you have to, uh, you have to trigger those manually by using the select button. The nice thing about the the rocket boost is uh, they that that will take out bullets. So if you're uh, say in the middle of the screen and you've got an enemy behind you or something that has shot a bullet, you can kind of circle around it and take that bullet out. If you're using a weapon that does not have that capability, uh, the rocket boosts are also good for. A uh, couple of the bosses in particular that you can sort of get behind. Let's see, we already mentioned the smiley faces. Uh, the small smiley faces give you a thousand points. The large ones give you five thousand. And then, of course, the second smiley face initiates the merge once you have your your friend with you. And I was counting this earlier. I think it's uh, eight. It's eight enemies. So you take out eight enemies in order to get a small smiley face. Um, a large smiley face. And then uh, I think it's seven of those to then then the eighth smiley face that you trigger will be a, the large one. Um, but I did notice there are instances where specific enemies will give you smiley faces. So specific enemies seems like they always generate a smiley face no matter what. Mid- Mid-bosses are usually good for that. Right. And they're the, what are they, the large fish robots in stage one toward the end, a couple of those will always give you smiley faces, no matter what. Um, at least on easy. I don't know about on, on normal, but I know on, on easy they always did. As mentioned, 
changes from the Japanese version is uh, your charge bomb in the original Japanese version is sort of a pink poop uh, with sunglasses. Very much a uh, poop emoji before its time. So Red, oh, yeah. Red Company were, um, were decades ahead of the curve on this one. Uh, and of course, for the for the North American release, that got changed to sort of a standard uh, bomb with sunglasses. We mentioned the Moo Moo transformation before, and the opening sequences are different between the the two versions. Yeah, the, the Japanese version is a lot more in your face, and it has him going through and destroying the title sequence. Well, the North American version is more akin to Superman or uh, superhero transformation. Right. Staying on top of the, you know, by donning the shades of power, he too can, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, by, by, by the power of Grayskull, no, by the uh, shades of power, he too can transform into Zonk. Right. Now that sequence is, that sequence is in the Japanese version as well. It's just uh, at a different spot. There's also a uh, karaoke lyrics in the, uh, in the intro as well. Oh yes, I I, uh, I read something about that, uh, and then of course the um, ending sequence, as King Drool is flying away in his rocket. Um, in the Japanese version, the rocket has a giant poop in the the top of the rocket, and then Zonk drops his poop bomb on the rocket, which then causes the rocket to. Uh, explode whereas you know in the in the western version we we sort of get just more of a regular rocket with machinery and stuff that you would kind of expect to see in a in a cartoon rocket there's also a difference with the game over screen as well uh in the japanese version once again it has uh uh, uh, a set of karaoke lyrics but there's a point uh as you uh, as you just let it go where um where drool will will sort of emote and he'll like sort of strike a pose and the uh the his two lackeys moonhead and doublehead will sort of like quickly get away from him uh japanese version he uh, he turns into a geisha oh wow yeah that's funny sounds like to me the japanese version is a version to get well either way it's uh it's pretty wacky one of the things that I will say I really appreciated with the way that, as we're going to start moving and talking about graphics here, is the parallax scrolling. It's some of the best I've ever seen on a PC engine. It's right up there with uh, Akamaju Dracula X. It's really well done, and it's not something that you see... There in every stage, it's, it really stands out. I was, of course, really surprised by how bright and colorful the the graphics were. The as we mentioned earlier, it felt like it was a Saturday morning cartoon or at least a Nicktoon, with the way all of the graphics looked. Uh, and it was pretty easy to see, even though it's a pretty fast moving game. I wasn't uh, hit by anything that seemed to come out of nowhere. It, I was really able to read everything pretty nicely. The only detriment I would say to this game is some of the attack animations feel like they were just very one note. It was just like for when Bonk deals with the chains, chain teeth coming out of there, his mouth. He just opens his mouth and that's it. 
and I don't know if that was just a limitation because they used everything else or if that was they ran out of time or what the case was but I, that's one thing I would have liked to see more of is a little bit more animation for his attacks because I thought it was done so well yeah I mean there's a there's a fair amount of of fun animation in the game but I can see what you're saying you know they, they could have done more with it I guess the ROM size, though, you got to take that into consideration. It's not like it's on a CD-ROM or anything like that. Not that the CD game is especially... It's not quite as good as this one, which is kind of ironic, uh, being that they called it Super Airzonk, but uh, that's a story for another show. Um, I will say, though, that like uh, taking the uh, the size of the sprites and how, much, uh, how, how many um, versions of each attack there are in the game... Uh, there, there's probably limitations to the animation based on that alone. Um, yeah, and you know, I think I'll take, I'll, I'll take a little less animation for more variety any day. I, I will too. I, I think the only reason why I'm nitpicking here is because it's the only small detriment I can see with the graphics. Mm. I, everything works so well that all I have left are nitpicks. Yeah, stage two. I think like w if we're gonna talk about great, uh, great parallax and uh, and stage design, I think stage two is probably my w one of my favorite stages, probably in all of shoot 'em ups ever. Just like flying past, like uh, going down near the like starting off near the uh, in like a, a a back alley, and then making your way above the cityscape, and then going to the dump. It's so varied, <laughs> and it's all just in one stage. Yeah. That's something that was a little surprising too. Is the stages are pretty long for a STG. It was refreshing to see that they put a lot of thought into this, and there's quite a bit of variation too, especially with stage 5.5, or stage five and stage 5.5. Seeing the old uh, bonk was a nice throwback, and then the pieces there. It really has a lot of variety to it, which is refreshing, especially in. Hue cards, everyone knows the story about R-Type, right? R-Type had to be split into two different Hue cards because it just didn't have the space. So for them to cram everything on here is pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean... And, you know, you talked before about the, the cartooniness of it and so forth, and it really was... I mean, they really did a great job in terms of just packing so much into it and you know it's it's bright and colorful and there's just a lot of detail in the game well the visuals are one thing but uh, i think we need to talk about the sound because uh what they managed to pull off on the pc engine with this soundtrack is nothing short of amazing yeah y yeah the, the soundtrack is is uh is really good. The one curious thing about the soundtrack that I will say is I don't know what it is, but the sort of intro or attract sequence to the game seems slightly out of place to me because so much of the game is the music is very bouncy and whimsical and really plays to the cartoony feel of the game. Whereas the intro music seems like it might fit better with a, a game that's a, that takes itself a little bit more seriously. It's an awesome intro tune. 
I love it, but it, it almost seems just a, just a little out of place. Um, but kind of, as you were saying with the graphics addicted, you know, that's, that's a minor nitpick. Honestly, the whole soundtrack is, is pretty good. And I, I found myself whistling and humming these tunes as I was streaming them because they, they're earworms <laughs> and they were, they were really working their way into my skull. Yeah, especially that transformation on there. I do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, now it's gone through my head already. Yeah. Yeah. Cause whenever you, whenever you merge with your companion, and we forgot to mention this before, you have a brief period of invincibility. And so, just like a Super Mario Brothers, you know, you get a little bit of a special tune that plays during that, uh, during that part. That is a very cartoony kind of, of, song and uh it's it's catchy (laughs) and according to the wiki article that i looked at the sound design was done by daisuke morishima and hisashi matsushita so hats off to those uh those two individuals for just just making a really good uh really good soundtrack Daisuke Morishima was also behind the soundtrack in Koryun, which uh, predates uh, Erzong slightly, and um, also 1943 Kai on PC Engine. Oh, yes. Okay. And that soundtrack slaps. That was something I was going to ask you, too, because I know Erzong feels like almost like a spiritual successor to Koryun. But I didn't see that Red actually developed it. See, this that's the thing. I think what happened was that Naxat Shadow developed uh, Erzong for, for Red. Oh. Yes, it's... Erzong is the one game uh, is the one that is... Uh, is the odd one out of the, of the, of the entire group. Because you got games like uh, The Double Rings, a 1943 Kai, Koryun... Um, and Alzadik, all of those games have Morishima soundtracks, uh, and they're all Nagzat branded and developed, but this one is the only one under Red's, uh, development banner. Huh. Interesting. That is really interesting because Nagzat did a lot of, of various shooters over the years, High-profile stuff too, stuff like you know Nexer Special, uh, um, Psycho Chaser. They they did some stuff on uh, Super Famicom. They did some stuff on Saturn. Um, I think they might have a couple of PSX releases as well. Like they, they've they've been around, right? Um, but I think their most notable stuff has been on PC Engine. They did uh, Burai Fighter as well. Oh, and um, that other one there. Of course, uh, we can't forget uh, Rekka. Oh, yes. And that was... Rekka was... Um, oh, who's the who's the developer behind that? Who then, um, oh, friggin' uh, what's his name there? Jesus. Who went to um, um, Cave? Uh, oh, uh, Shinobu Yagawa. Yagawa, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, a little bit of a pedigree there. (laughs) 
the one the one thing that I noted the uh, that I put in the notes here is is that uh, I think the sound effects are pretty good. Although, as much as you use the charge shot, that gets old after a little while. <laughs> it, it can, yeah. <laughs> that little I'll give you that. Broop, 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 all the time. <laughs> but again, it's a small nitpick. For as good as the sound design overall is, it's a it's a minor thing. I'll take it over the drums and drums and whistles of 1942 any day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I did make some uh, some s- brief notes here about the scoring. I mentioned before you get a thousand points for the small smiley, you get five thousand points for the large smiley, and of course, if you can use your charge attacks to destroy bullets, you'll generate more smileys per stage, and so you kind of get a double a double scoring. Uh, benefit there because you get points for destroying the bullets um, because you get tick points and then you also get more smileys but uh, i did know you get tick points for for enemy any enemy that takes damage and so there's a couple of of spots where you can briefly exploit that such as uh in stage five when you take on uh i think moonhead and uh if you I know specifically if you pick Moo Moo, but I'm assuming it works for other characters. But if, but uh, when I was picking Moo Moo in stage five and had the transformation, then when you're shooting the milk bottles, once Moonhead is uh, taken out and sort of retreats back to the, you know, sp- spaceship platform thing or whatever, you can keep shooting in the spot where he was standing or where he was flying, and earn tick points for a few seconds kind of during that transition. There may be other examples of that as well, but that was one specifically that I found that uh, allow you to, for lack of a better way to say it, milk a few more points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, should also be noted about. as well, sorry, uh, The uh, any weapon uh, pickup that you obtain is worth a thousand points as well. So uh, if you're able to combine with, a, uh, w- with your friend uh, into a hybrid, and just collect any weapon power up, regardless of what it is. Um, basically, you'll you'll be able to amass quite a few more points than if you were just being choosy about kind of what kind of weapon you were using. True. You should be careful, obviously, because if you lose your hybrid, you're stuck with the last weapon you picked up. And if it was the mini, you just basically have basic firepower. Yeah, yeah. Now I do think that Tiny Zonk is not a bad choice, but the lack of the charge weapon is is still a bit of a hindrance. But as large as Zonk is, Tiny Zonk is kind of nice because the hitbox is so much smaller. Mm-hmm. And you retain the rocket boots. So that's a nice touch. I had forgotten to ask this earlier. The head of or the final boss, do they all have names? Because I kept calling the boss who is in the garbage bag who comes out at the very end there, Pizza the Hut. Oh, that's absolutely Pizza the Hut. I mean, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I, um, I won't. I, I can't think of it any other way. I mean, if it uh, has a legitimate that? name, then that's cool. But it, it'll. Uh, his his name is actually Telenplan, uh, which is uh, is probably a, some sort of uh, of uh, pun on the name there. Uh, I'm not sure what they would have called it in the North American version. I don't have the manual, uh, so I didn't notice anything in it. 
But uh, yeah, uh, Telen Plan is the name that's listed here in the Japanese version. Well, he'll always be Pizza the Hut in my heart. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a bunch of people on my streams were saying, "Is that Pizza the Hut?" <laughs> Pizza the Hut. So yeah, <laughs> and and then of course people were going into the whole, uh, you know, what was it? Uh, Pizza the Hut calls for your delivery or something like that. <laughs> you know. That, that's what we need right now. We need a Spaceballs, the STG, flying through on your Winnebago. Absolutely. And and ludicrous speed power-ups. They already have those in Rock-On. <laughs> <laughs> Should also be noticed, uh, noted as well, in the Japanese version, uh, He's uh, the, the main villain is not known as King Drool. It's King Tamago Sandrovich. <laughs> or King Egg Sandwich. Oh my. I like that better. <laughs> King Egg Sandwich. Sandorovich. But, but is he Great, still yeah. uh, the green dragon looking thing? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Sa- Sandrovich is the, just uh, the original name for him. Oh, weird. Yeah. He huh. teams up with Dr. Eggman. Sorry, Dr. bad jokes abound. Eggman and Doctor Egg Sandwich Man. Uh, all right, so we just we'll just get the 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 trifecta with the Doctor Egg Salad Man. <laughs> Doctor Egg Salad Man in in the kingdom. What's that one? Uh, Princess Tomato. Yes. Doctor Egg Salad Man in <laughs> in uh, the Salad Kingdom. kingdom. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm the egg salad. Sal- I'm the egg salad sandwich man. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Indeed, are you the walrus? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've given our psychedelic thoughts here, let's see some from the RF Generation community. Our first thought comes to us from Gollum. I'm chugging along, and things are getting a little easier. For instance, I found that the electric weapon, the skinny short electric staff. Helps on the stage 4 mid-boss because it shoots through the mid-boss's gross. And the lightning bolt shot is a radical pattern that eats bullets. So it's great for this second half of stage 4, although it creates a ton of flicker. Also, one interesting note is that you can get a power-up reset every level. The only other STG I can think of that does this is Gradius Interstellar Assault. Oh, there's one on your list, I'm sure. Yep. As for the TG Mini, seems good to me. I've played through several titles on it so far and haven't had any trouble with its performance. Hey, do you get the big smiley every seventh smiley? Does that count as meddling? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it seven or eight? It's one of those two. It's it's uh it's eight. The manual looks like it's eight. Right. So it's 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 you take out eight enemies to get a small smiley, and then you collect. You either collect seven smileys to then activate the big on the eighth, or you collect eight to activate the big. I I, I didn't quite you know puzzle that out when I was playing. Yeah, it's it talks about they're they're called Nico Gens in the uh, in the version I played, and it has eight of them, and then it points over to the uh, the sunglass Nico Chen. So it's it's eight, and then the big one appears. Okay, good. He goes on to say, on Spicy, the game gives you enough points from the penultimate boss that you have nine lives going into the final boss. It's a little nuts. 
On the final boss itself, I found out that regular charge shots work best. If you time it just right, you can shoot down every missile volley, and the act of charging seems to shed the green spiny things that latch onto Zonk. Tonight I got my first clear of stage 5 on its own, using this save state and stage 5 title card. It took me something like 3 hours of practice, across multiple sessions, now on to stage 4. After clearing, my thoughts would be, Boxing Glove and Lightning are great because they eat bullets. The Screen Clearing Bomb is great because it eats bullets. Spike Re seems to be the most powerful friend because it's a green fish. Projectiles sit on enemies and do successive damage. It's weird that the final boss can max out your lives. Probably the best implementation of rear firing thing from Image Fight that I've seen in Shmup. You can cause slowdown with busy effects such as a screen bomb or lots of particles, the card weapon. But this comes at the cost of flicker, which makes it harder to track projectiles and enemies. Kind of an interesting trade-off. I have a hard time of coming up any other thoughts on this game. Optimistically, this means I don't get the game. Cynically, this means a positive reputation is owing to its production value. Using save states, it took me about 8 hours of practice. He's got some final thoughts here. I wasn't too keen on the gameplay. I think there's too much bullet eating going on, which kind of blurs what the challenge is. There's also a lot of power ups and lots of friends, and in general variety kind of irks me. I would prefer if it was catered to a few specific power ups. For instance, the cards and missiles overlap as spread weapons, and the boxing glove and electric staff overlap as slim, powerful weapons, but I think that's a matter of taste. On the other hand, I like the power up reset. It helps match each stage easier to learn. Excuse me, it helps make each stage easier to learn. Gives you a fixed state for the beginning of each level. When you credit feed R-Type Stage 7, it can be pretty rough without the Force Pond. In Airzonk, though, credit feeding works the same as begin to level from scratch. This lends the game a certain amount of fairness or ease of learning. It's the antidote to Gradius Syndrome. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that, that he... Uh, so far, uh, most of our style has been overwhelmingly positive. It's interesting to get a little bit more of a cynical take on here, and I appreciate the sharing the thoughts and here. Uh, hmm, uh, interesting. I'm just surprised for a game that usually gets overwhelmingly positive for somebody not to like it, but I, at the same time, I, I respect it, and I'm would be interested to hear more. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I always appreciate Gollum being very thorough and detailed uh, about feelings on the games and, you know, thoughts on playing and strategies and all that. So I, regardless of where my opinion lines up or not, I really appreciate the the, the attention to detail and uh, being able to really articulate um you know thoughts on on the game itself i I will say that i I kind of understand what Gollum is saying with regard to some degree of overlap in the weapons and i don't know that i agree but i i think i understand the idea of not being into the bullet eating I kind of like that aspect, but I can see how others may not. Uh, Mini Console Man 
joined in and said, uh, So I got my first clear of the game today on sweet mode. I did well enough during the early stages to build up some extra lives to prepare me for stage 5. I'm not sure if I had much of a strategy other than always making sure I had a power-up to allow for an extra hit. I always tried to make good use of the bombs. This was especially helpful in the stage 5 boss rush prior to the final boss. In order to take the final boss down, I kind of abused the bombs and extra lives that I had as I got hit a lot. That's a solid strategy for sure. Um, the boss rush can be very difficult starting on uh, starting on spicy and higher, uh, mostly because you start with fewer lives. Yeah. Um, sweet, sweet gives you a, a nice buffer uh, to sort of get through without worrying too much about uh, about how many lives you've got left. Uh, but yeah, when you've got to earn most of the ones that you need in order to uh, uh, to take on the boss rush and stage 5.5, then uh, yeah, it becomes considerably more challenging in that sort of regard. But uh, yeah, you're on the right path for sure. Uh, that strategy could easily be translated over to spicy. Nice. Uh, Corkman says, I played on sweet mode today and got to stage five, the stage 5 bush, uh, boss rush which was further than I was getting on spicy mode. Uh, stage 4 boss there. I'm not sure that there's too much difference between sweet and spicy other than the enemies and definitely the bosses take more hits. Um, I think I'll play on sweet mode the rest of the month just to see if I can clear it on one credit. I remember finishing it on sweet mode, but I had to continue on stage 5 a few times. Uh, in a later post, he continues, I found myself not liking this game more uh, the more that I played, uh, the more I played for a spicy 1cc. The big hitbox, the power-up reset each stage, and bullet sponge enemies on spicy all led to some frustrating deaths. But I'll definitely come back to it again because I love the general gameplay and how nonsens uh, nonsensical and wacky it is. Our next comment comes to us from Full Macho. I ended up not having much time for Airzonk this month. I did get to about the end of the second to last level of the be or beginning of the final level on one credit on sweet. I never gave a great feel for my hitbox, and pairing that with claustrophobia of my many tougher boss battles made it harder for me to learn the game and to learn from my mistakes. I often saw my metallic skeleton carcass arcing off the screen before I noticed a bullet coming at me. I did enjoy a surface level, the many weapons and matchups with allies. It starts, Airzonk is one of those games that sort of just throws you in the thick of things. It does start a little fast. I can see how that could be, take a little while to adjust to it. Yeah, that, that was one of the things that Fomacho mentioned that we forgot to mention before is when you die, uh, yeah, indeed, your your colorful Airzonk turns into uh, just sort of a pathetic looking metal uh, exoskeleton that uh, starts smoking and sort of just falls off the screen. Uh, it's comical. Uh, we did have a handful of high scores. On the sweet difficulty, uh, I ended up with the top score uh, with my clear of 18,399,390 points. And uh, very close to me was Mini Console Man with 18 million. 291,250 points. Uh, and then on Spicy, 
we had three clears or th two clears and uh, and then Corkman submitted a score. Now Ed was playing the uh, Japanese version, and the scoring in that is different. It's it's a little nuts. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of chatting about this before. Uh, I'm hoping that you can maybe lay this out and explain it a little bit better. All right. So in, in the Japanese version of Air Zonk, you'll notice that uh, the score is split up by a character right in the middle of the eight digits that are represented. Um, and then after that, there's another character and then two little smaller characters, which the smaller ones are 10, which means points. Uh, the larger one is um, a billion is uh, is what the uh, let me just sort of write it out here so I can figure out what exactly it says. There we go. That's the one. Uh, Oku is billion. And then the one that splits them up is cho which means trillion <laughs> so as ostensibly what you're seeing there is a score of um 9801 uh, 9, trillion 2480 billion which doesn't exactly flow properly uh insofar as i can tell uh those characters are just put in there to make the score look more ridiculous than it possibly could otherwise uh which sort of lends itself to the uh to the wacky nature of the game it otherwise the, the score otherwise behaves identically in the main game between the Japanese and North American versions until you defeat the final boss. Uh, so when the final boss finally does go down, you get an even 10 million points in Airzonk, whereas in PC Dungeon you get a weirder number. In my case, it was 89,310,000 points, uh, which is not round at all. And I'm not sure what contributes to that. Uh, but, I mean, if you wanted to go uh, by the North American standard instead, it would work out to 18,702,370 points. Right. Which still would have given you the top spot. Not to brag, but... <laughs> I'm wondering if that... Uh, if that 83.3 million is a pun of some kind. Ah, you know what? It probably is. Because I, it probably is. I, I've, yeah. I've heard of that before with some Konami games and other things where certain score totals or bonuses that you get in in, in games, the that the point totals aren't exactly, let's say, 500 or 1,000 points or whatever. When they're a little bit more specific, sometimes they're actually puns because of either how you say that particular number and then that sounding like something else um, that may be thematically related to the game or whatever. So I'm almost wondering if that's if that's a pun somehow that kind of works with the the absurdity factor of the game. You know what I'm going to do, actually? I'm going to do some math here on uh, the World of Long Plays video um, and see if the number matches up. So let's see here now. Oh, interesting. Which I, I beat them, by the way. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> while, while you're doing that, I'll also mention that Gollum uh, got his uh, spicy clear with a final score of 18,404,410. 
and then Corkman, as uh, he mentioned earlier, I think made it to stage four and uh, managed to get uh, uh, 842,620 points. So, uh, again, thank you to everybody who played, and uh, uh, congrats to Mini Console Man and Gollum both for clears during the course of the month. Yeah, thank you everybody for playing along with. We can't do the Shmup Club without participation, and it's always good for people to try out new stuff, even if they don't like it. You know, it's good to refine your taste and try something new. You never know what you'll like. Yeah, well, and you know that's one of the things is is when you when you look at a game like this that has a a reputation as a retro game for being so good you know when you get someone like Gollum who uh, who wasn't sure about it or Corkman who felt like you know he didn't like it as much after trying it on spicy um, you know it's it's just kind of interesting to to compare and contrast some of those opinions and uh, just kind of think about how different people approach the game or how they perceive it based on their own uh you know their own experience their own tastes etc okay i've got an answer um it is uh, on the world of long plays video they've got a little bit of chip damage uh, as the boss goes down from some residual attack uh it works out outside of the chip damage to 89 million 310,000 hmm so there's got to be something. There's some, probably some sort of pun in that in that amount. Yeah, I would assume so. That that just seems seems tailor made to the to just all, everything else in the game that is wacky or non sequitur. Uh, so final thoughts. Well, I mean, for the longest time, this was my favorite game ever. Um, so I've obviously got some pretty heavy nostalgia and a little bit of bias towards it. And I don't think I'll ever not like this game in, in any sort of regard. I'll admit, yeah, there are a couple of shortcomings when it comes to the, uh, to the sound, like the, um, the constant charge sound effect. But, uh, th there's probably a reason that I own two versions of this game now. Mm, makes sense. Yeah, for me... I, I expected to like this game, and I do like this game. I have a couple of, of nitpicks that are more than just minor things. My, my biggest one, I think, is I, I, get what, I get what Gollum was saying about the power reset after each, uh, after each stage, going into the next stage with just your default weapon. I don't particularly care for that. I do think the game works in the in the sense that because they designed it around that, it works and they make it so that you're not you're not necessarily underpowered. But I don't know. It feels punitive in a way that doesn't necessarily have to be. The other thing that I think uh, is I think stage five is too long. 
Um, you mentioned earlier, Addicted, that the stages in this game were quite long, and you're right about that. And I think that works, generally speaking, because there are only five stages. So it makes sense to have them be a little bit longer to have a more fleshed out experience. But the fact that stage five is so long and has multiple mini boss fights between fighting Moonhead and then um, Doublehead and then both of them at the same time. But then also in 5.5, when you actually go into the, uh, the castle or whatever, you power down just like you do in the previous stages. So to me, stage five feels like it should have been stage five and stage six. I, I, I feel like it would have made more sense to to do something like that where where they could have split that up a little bit because it's so long and I, I do feel like stage five is a bit of a difficulty spike particularly because you start out that second half with back to your back to your default um, your default uh, weapon again and right away you've got threats everywhere so that is a bit of a sticking point for me the final boss fight I thought initially was holy cow this is hard after you do it a little bit I find that it is easier to kind of get through, but I do still feel like it's enough. Again, it's enough of a difficulty thing where you wonder if the whole give you 10,000 points so that you, um, so that your score or that you get a bunch of extends just to make it so that you've got enough to hopefully beat the final boss. Seems like it's cheap. A, like a cheap way to kind of uh, finish the game out. It kind of works as a bit of a joke element in the game, I guess I could say. And ultimately, it's not a big criticism. It's just something that I think at the very end of the game, it I don't know, it just feels a little weird, uh, like an odd direction to take it at the very end. Having said all of that, I still think this is a good game, and I think I was happy to get my clear on Sweet, and I think with just a little bit more practice, I could probably knock out that spicy clear without uh, too much additional effort, and I think it would be worth my time to do so. Um, so, you know, in between all the other stuff I'm doing, if I can if I can squeeze in a little bit of extra time, I may try and go for that spicy clear, just to... Uh, just to try and finish it up. What about you, Addicted? Me, I think it rates in the top five of the cue card STGs on the PC engine or turbo graphics. I really like it as a whole package. Yes, it does have some flaws, but for the most part, the flaws are minor. And again, they're going to vary from person to person for the gameplay. There. It just does itself so well for what the system is. It's the the parallax scrolling on there, the bright graphics, the very '90s art style. There, the 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 fact that it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's something that 
I, I should say it doesn't take itself too seriously, but doesn't go over the top either, right? This isn't Freedom Finger. It fits very nicely. No, it's not there. And I, I can see why why it's that on play. Is, is it a little bit disappointing? Yes, in some ways. From what it is, but that's, I think, only because it's talked up so much. I think for us, it's a lot harder to go to a retro game that has been talked really high about and you don't have a nostalgia attachment to. I think I talked about this earlier with some of the games, right? If you don't have a nostalgia attachment to it and it's something that you hear people say, oh, this is great, and then you go to it, you almost feel like, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I should be liking this. You mm -hmm. sort of get that guilt on there, and I, I can see how this game can sort of pull in those feelings. But it, for, for what it is, and coming back and playing in 2022, I think it still holds up, and I think it is a good game. Is it the best game ever on the PC Engine? Eh, probably not, but it's a darn good one. Well said. Alright, so what do we have coming up next? Well, we, coming up next, we have Valentine's Day, so everyone get your cards and stuff in now. <laughs> And also, if you're going to be playing Image Fight and the Famicom or NES, get your earplugs in now. <laughs> yes, because Image Fight is our February game. Uh, of course, this was an R IREM arcade title and was ported to uh, lots of places. Uh, Famicom and NES, PC Engine. Um, it was out on, uh, I believe, both Saturn and PlayStation in a collection with uh, X Multiply that has now become quite expensive. And it has been released on PS4 and Switch through Arcade Archives. So very accessible. Until you try playing it and then you get your butt kicked. <laughs> yes, this is true. It definitely doesn't pull its punches, that's for sure. Oh, no. But we have an easier game coming in March. And that is Salamander or Life Force. Yeah, and I thought it would be interesting to sort of take a look at both. Because, of course, Salamander came out in the arcade in Japan. And then when it came out in the arcade here, it kind of got retooled and renamed Life Force. And then at some point, Life Force then got re-released in the arcade in Japan. So it's kind of a weird story. Uh, and then, of course, we got Life Force on the NES, and the Famicom got Salamander, and then Salamander came out on the PC Engine, and then there was the Salamander uh, Deluxe Pack that came out on Saturn and PS1, and then the Salamander Collection on PSP. And now, the nice thing about the Arcade Archives release on P PS4 and Switch is that it includes both. So you get both the original Japanese Salamander arcade game and the Western Life Force release. So it'll be fun to do a little bit of comparison between the two. That's kind of wild. That's one of the only games, I think, that you guys have done where I've got every version, except for the PS1, but I've got the Saturn version, so... Yeah. That's, Which That's great. The, yeah, the Saturn and PS1, you know, those IREM releases are functionally identical. Oh, no, I mean for uh, Salamander. Oh, right. 
Yeah, I would uh, also say, though, that Salamander on Famicom differs slightly than NES. Yeah. Yeah, a cooler cartridge. Well, absolutely has a cooler cartridge. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And so it'll be fun to, like I said, it'll be fun to look at, at the different versions of the game and see how they all compare. Because, of course, the PC Engine version... I, pretty much follows the original arcade uh, Japanese arcade version. Mm. Um, but then, you know, Salamander on Famicom is going to be different than Life Force on NES because I'm assuming Life Force on NES more closely follows the the Life Force arcade version that we got in the West. So, yeah, it, that'll be interesting to sort of compare and contrast all the different uh, all the different versions. All right, I'm going to make a challenge for you now. Uh, before the month of March is out, I want you to stream the ZX Spectrum port of Salamander. <laughs> Fire it up have on fun your with mister. that. <laughs> if, I can, if I can get that working on the mister, I, I might just have to give that a whirl. Well, yeah. the colors will certainly be noticeable. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Eye scorching primaries only. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'd like to do, have some shout outs here and thank yous. We'd like to thank Ed of Studio Mudprints and Bullet Heaven for the logo and for helping us out so many times here on the podcast and providing many, many hours of entertainment. No worries. Also looks good in an orange shirt. You got to say, I, I like that shoot the corkhead shirt. Indeed. I don't think I could rock an orange shirt. It's all about all about that Dreamcast orange. <laughs> right. It's drinking. I mean, thinking. All right. I'd also like to thank, thank Kogusu for the intro and outro music. Everyone from the RF Generation Playcast and CollectorCast. I'd like to thank uh, hashtag uh, Parrot Dog or Metal Fro for streaming <laughs> and uh, making things interesting. <laughs> Paradog. Like, like to thank everybody who listens to this as well as joins us with the monthly playthroughs. Thank you all. Yes, thank you all for participating. Uh, do you got anything coming up, Ed, that you'd like to plug? Uh, well, we've got the top 10 shoot 'em ups for 2021 heading into Bullet Heaven um, on the next episode. But after that, I think we're going to be doing our own. Our, uh, uh, image fight feature, uh, including, uh, but not limited to the ACA version, Famicom, NES, um, and uh, PC Engine version, as well as Image Fight 2. Um, still going to try to get that PS1 version just to sort of see what's up with that, even if it does have sort of some interesting load times. But uh, yeah, it still might be worth having. Uh, outside of that, though, uh, I'm not sure what's coming up next, so you'll be just as surprised as I will. <laughs> well, that'll work. Yeah, I would definitely watch some more day streams. Those oh, are always yeah. fun. <laughs> um, you know what? Maybe some Tatsujin after that. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, nice. All right. Well, and as I mentioned before... Um, you're going to be doing the. Uh, you're going to be doing a one-handed Star Fox run in Shmup Slam uh, Five. Yes, this is happening. <laughs> yeah, that's coming up in March. 
Uh, Game Boy Guru has already seen what I can do with the single-handed uh, run, uh, but I'm going to be taking things a little further. I'm going to I'm going to go for either a full Route Three, or uh, maybe I'll exploit some glitches—not some glitches, but some uh, some secrets to go from one route to another. Uh, still haven't decided. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to uh, uh, hook up on that so I can make sure to have all the all the tools that I need to to do the commentary justice. Oh yes. Yeah, you better do some commentary with some ears on shades. <laughs> well then I'll have a hard time harder time seeing the TV. So It's okay, you can look at the reflection. That's true. <laughs> In your eyes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Alright. Uh, anything else that uh, that we need to mention before we wrap up i think i'm good how about you addicted i think i'm good here i'm trying to think of uh, there was another video games new york shmup that but this was last year that they did i just can't remember it for the life of me the shmup that it came out for ps4 i i swear i i get like collective memory here where i i'm like what did i order again from limited run what did i order from strictly limited <laughs> what is this thing the only thing that sticks in my mind is dispatch games and i think it's in this way it's just sort of a everyone's waiting scene are, are they actually going to come out with something or is hell going to freeze over first <laughs> yeah well Everything's covered in a half inch of ice up here, so I think we'll go with the latter. <laughs> oh my. Well, hopefully this episode will keep everybody warm while they're waiting for uh, for dispatch to finally uh, come through with things. So anyway, thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next month. <laughs> <laughs>